Welcome to the Paragon Podcast, a podcast focusing on the needs of high net worth individuals and their families. We discuss the markets, tax strategies, and how to better manage wealth with the goal of living better for today while planning for tomorrow. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast and thank you for tuning in. I'm Elliot Mendoza and I'm here with Evan Shorten, the firm's founder and principal. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you're finding your way to keep yourself sane uh, in the wake of these volatile markets. In this episode, we're going to talk about why the markets have been continuing to push down and where we see things going forward in the near term. However, before we get started, I want to ask you to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with each new episode. You can subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher Radio app, or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Okay, so let's recap the last few weeks. Markets have continued their prolonged decline well into the month of June so far. Inflation data on June 10th came in higher than expected, and markets reacted negatively. In fact, on June 13th, the S&P 500 officially entered bear market territory as it dropped over 20% from its January all-time high. Then on June 15th, Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve Board announced a 75 basis point rate hike, which means the Federal Reserve would raise interest rates by 0.75%. What seemed to scare markets is the commitment Jerome Powell expressed towards quelling inflation. Essentially, the markets took it as an admission that inflation is going to be a problem moving forward and the possibility of an inflation-induced recession got very real really fast. Or possibly a Fed-induced recession. So Evan, why are we here with the Fed trying to engineer a soft landing? And before we really dive into the conversation, I quickly want to mention that in this episode, we're actually going to cover and revisit some of the things we discussed in our previous May episode, because the economic fundamentals we previously discussed are still in full force today. In fact, the economic fundamentals affecting markets have continued to deteriorate from what they were last month. If you didn't listen to the May market update, or if this is your first time listening to the Paragon podcast, let's quickly discuss why we're here. Evan, back to you. First, we're still dealing with the effects of the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic. I know it's been two years, but at the same time, an estimated $10 trillion with a T was put into circulation while at the same time forcing the economy to shut down and essentially stop the production and movement of goods. Essentially, we were in a situation where a lot of money was introduced into the economy while physical goods and services were reduced, resulting in price hikes that would become the inflation we're dealing with today. Second, we're still dealing with the Ukraine-Russia conflict that has decreased the export of grains and other essential foods around the world, combined with sanctions on Russia, creating a worldwide supply shock for oil. In other words, we reduced the amount of goods and services in 2020. We reduced the amount of oil coming to the U.S. in early 2022. And there is less available food in the world, all while printing record levels of money. Lastly, we have an administration that hasn't done much to mitigate some of the supply issues we're experiencing domestically. Since 2022 is an election cycle for Congress, our elected leaders have chosen to not rock the boat, avoid the situation, and let the Federal Reserve deal with inflation. 
which actually presents a pretty big problem. See, the Federal Reserve has a very limited tool set for fighting inflation. They can only increase or decrease the money supply in the economy. The Fed can't actually increase the amount of food, fuel, or housing needed to meet the current demand. So with its limited tool set, the Fed is trying to fight inflation by attempting to reduce the amount of money in circulation, also known as quantitative tightening, to reduce demand. In other words, since we can't increase the amount of oil to meet the current demand level, the Fed is going to attempt to reduce the demand for oil. Evan, what does that mean for markets moving forward? Well, it's not good. The phrase reduce demand is a very lighthearted way of saying, let's create a small recession. Equity markets don't like recessions, and bond markets don't like rising interest rates. If we are in fact moving toward a recession, which I think we are, if we're not already in one right now, it means unemployment and lower corporate profits across the board result in widespread market downturns. We're only about three months into the Fed's efforts to reduce demand, and equity markets are down 20% as of today, June 28th. If the Fed can't reduce demand, aka create a small recession, then inflation could continue for a prolonged period of time, forcing the Fed to keep raising interest rates. Elevated inflation is similar to a recession for corporate profits in that consumer spending for goods and products beyond food, fuel, and shelter diminishes substantially with the added burden of increasing operating costs. With that said, if you recall what we've previously mentioned, Congress isn't about to act on inflation anytime soon, and the Fed can't produce food, fuel, or shelter, so prolonged inflation could be a very real scenario. Lastly, we could even experience a period of stagflation, something America hasn't experienced since the 70s, which would be the worst case scenario. If you're not familiar with the term stagflation, it's an economic term combining both the term stagnation and inflation. In this scenario, the economy stagnates similar to a recession with rising unemployment and no economic growth, while at the same time experiences high inflation. So, Evan, with your belief that we may be in a recession and the outlook for stocks not looking all that great, what options are investors faced with? Is it time to start selling? Well, first and foremost, it's important to take a step back and breathe. Now more than ever, you want to avoid making emotional-based decisions when it comes to your portfolio. If you want to allocate more towards cash or take some profits off the table, I wouldn't be opposed to it but I wouldn't rush out and sell everything. Additionally, if you know you have a large upcoming expense, it's not a bad idea to safeguard the needed cash. But again, this isn't the time to abandon your portfolio. This isn't the time to panic, but it is a good time to review your portfolio and ensure you're not diverging too far from your financial plan's allocation. Even though the next few months don't look very rosy for the economy and the financial markets, anything can happen. I know it's cliche to say no one can predict the future, but it's true. For example, if you recall back to 2020 when COVID-19 hit the U.S., 
Stocks plummeted in early February as fears about our economy and our health took hold. However, two months later, in April, stock markets had recovered and went on to post new all-time highs until January of this year. So every time we experience a down market, everyone wants to rush out and sell off their portfolio. And while everyone knows of someone who knows of someone whose nephew was able to successfully get out at the top and rebuy the bottom, the reality is most people, even professional investors, can't time the market. Even though we're dealing with high inflation today and it's hurting financial markets, we can't foresee what happens tomorrow. Just as how markets recovered within two months back in 2020, Ukraine and Russia could come to an unexpected ceasefire or truce and instantly alleviate the supply shock on food and oil around the world. If that happened, we would see a face-melting rally in markets. But again, no one can see or predict the future. I also don't want to come off too negative here. Market declines do provide us with a few opportunities I want to mention. First is rebalancing. With the likelihood of a recession and or rising interest rates, we've been experiencing experiencing a rotation from growth stocks to value stocks. When the market experiences large declines like the ones experienced over the past few weeks, Sometimes the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater, meaning this could be a good time to rebalance your portfolio. Additionally, with rising rates, bonds become more favorable. While this podcast does not give investment advice or provide any specific recommendations, one should be mindful of U.S. Treasury rates going up. For example, as of the recording of this podcast episode, the two-year treasury is yielding almost 3.2%. A second opportunity that investors could consider is tax loss harvesting by realizing capital losses. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but capital losses can be used strategically to manage your tax liability throughout the current and future years. For example, if you're holding some higher-risk growth stocks that have taken a hit and perhaps are in the red, you can reduce up to $3,000 of your ordinary income by realizing capital losses. Realized capital losses can also be used to offset more than $3,000 if you're using them to offset a capital gain you realized from a different asset. And this includes the sale of an asset from a different asset class. Lastly, the third opportunity I want to mention is a Roth conversion. There is no denying that the tax benefits of a Roth IRA are far superior to those of a traditional IRA. Additionally, recent changes to IRA beneficiary and distribution rules stemming from the SECURE Act have also given Roth IRAs a more favorable treatment. The downside of Roth conversions has always been that income tax must be paid on any amount you convert from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Now, the taxable downside has not gone away, but with lower equity values across the board, you can convert more of your traditional IRA positions to Roth. To clarify what we mean, let's use Apple as an example. Let's say you want to do a Roth conversion of 100 shares of Apple stock when it was priced at $182 per share. Our total Roth conversion amount 
would be 18,200. If we assume you're in the 35% tax bracket, you could be looking at a tax bill of $6,370 for a Roth conversion of 100 Apple shares. As of the recording of this podcast, the price of Apple is around $137 per share. Today, we could convert 132 shares of Apple while incurring the same tax bill, allowing us to convert an extra 32 shares. However, as with anything that incurs a taxable event, please consult your financial advisor and tax professional before making any decisions. Yes, Roth IRAs can be more favorable than traditional IRAs, but it takes a few years before a Roth conversion can pay off, and that needs to be discussed with your financial professional, including how to pay the tax bill for the conversion. Please don't forget to subscribe to the episode to stay up to date with each new episode. We thank you for tuning in and look forward to seeing you here on the next episode. The Paragon Podcast is brought to you by the professionals at Paragon Financial Partners, a registered SEC investment advisor. The topics discussed herein are for informational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The financial strategies and guidelines discussed herein may not be appropriate for everyone as each individual circumstance is unique. Please review all tax information with your tax professional. Please review all legal information with your legal professional. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please visit our website at paragonfinancialpartners.com or email us at info at paragonfinancialpartners.com.